8. Ephesians 1.18, people, uh, to 21. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened or opened in order that you may know the hope to which He has called you, the riches of His glorious inheritance in His holy people, and His incomparably great power for us who believe. That power is the same as the mighty strength He exerted when He raised Christ from the dead and seated Him at His right hand in the heavenly realms, far above all rule and authority. Three things that Paul is praying for the Ephesians to, to get. Now you've got to understand that the, the Ephesian letter in the New Testament was a circular letter. So it would be like me writing to our whole movement and saying, here's one letter, and then I go like, Parramatta, uh, Silverwater, just putting a stamp at the top of everyone. So it's the same letter, but it's going to all the churches. So of all the New Testament letters that were written, this one is most easily applied to every church in the world, to all of us. It was a letter that was addressed to every single person. So when we read in there about family life uh, and warfare, and you know, the two are pretty synonymous, you know, and you, you read about, well, they're right next to each other. He speaks about warfare, and then he speaks about family life. So, you know, just trying to set you up and look after you. Uh, get ready for it. If you're not married, why do you want to get married? I, I know people who want to get unmarried, and uh, yeah, all the married, unmarried people want to get married, all the married, well, no, we won't say that. <laughs> Same with children, you know, oh, we want to have a baby. They have a baby. Oh, I don't know if we really did want to have a baby. My son has just had a baby. That's my fifth grandchild. Five. I know what you're thinking. You don't look that old, you know. I realize that, you know. It's like, it, make it costs a lot of money to look as good as you and me, right? Yeah, you know that. So three areas Paul is praying for you and I to understand. And he's saying, these three areas are the hope of your calling, the riches of your inheritance, and the greatness of His power to us would. And he's saying, I want, I'm praying that the eyes of your heart are opened. Meaning they're closed right now. Meaning most of the time they're closed because these eyes are open. When these eyes are fully open and getting fed all day long and they're full of vision and sight and things that you can see with these eyes, the natural eyes, you are going to find that your spiritual eyes are kind of closed. One of the reasons I think that we tend to close our eyes when we go to pray is that the inner eyes of our heart will be open. Now, you got to understand that we were born again with a spirit man. It's called the spirit man on the inside. You've heard of that? When you receive Jesus, if you've never received him, you can today. If you've never... You, you get a new being on the inside of you. You are born again, spiritually. That spirit man is not alive in us until we are born of the spirit, born again. And every single person is destined to be spiritually reborn. Every single person who's ever born, you're born in the flesh, that's not your decision. Somebody else made that decision. You just happen to turn up. Here you are. But your second birth, being born again, is your decision. 
your decision. You, you, it's not forced on you. And so you've got to make a decision. When that new person is born, you're born with a duplicate set of faculties. So you have ears, spiritual ears, you have spiritual eyes, you have spiritual touch, you have spiritual nose, you have a spiritual taste. All the five senses of your outer man are duplicated in your inner man so that you can see in the spirit. You can hear things spiritually. You can hear the voice of God. You can feel the presence of God. You can taste the Lord. You can discern and smell like God is in this place. So that spiritual man inside of you as a newborn Christian can be deadened though. He can be numbed. If you are just constantly feeding your flesh, that's one of the reasons we fast every now and then. One of the reasons, like I say, we pray and lower the stimulation to our external sensory system. Boy, that was a complicated sentence, wasn't it? We lower the stimulation to our external sensory system, meaning we, we calm down the amount of food, the amount of noise, the amount of distractions, the amount of physical things from this world coming into us so that the inner man might open like a flower, if you like, to the Lord. And so suddenly you are sensitized to the things of the Spirit. And it amazes me sometimes when I'm watching people who are preachers or leading meeting, they're, they're, they're completely shut off from the, from the sense of what's happening in the spiritual world. They've just got their thing that they're doing and they're so in their head and in what they're about that they've got no mind to the Spirit. But as a believer, if you want to walk in victory and walk in prosperity and blessing, you need to hear and be aware of what the Holy Spirit is trying to say to you because He's trying to lead you into blessing. He's trying to lead you into victory. And, and one of the biggest mistakes we make is we don't look to the Lord. We just go ahead and do things. But before you go ahead and do things, you should go, what do you think? Should I do it, Lord? Even David the king, the giant slayer, used to do that. He'd say, should I, should I pursue this, these people and try and get my, my stuff back? I've been sued. I've been stolen from. Should I go and try and get it back? He was a military guy. It would have been easy for him to say, I'm going to get it all back. But he didn't. He said, Lord, should I do this? He said, one thing I have desired of the Lord, and that will I seek after, that I might dwell in the house of the Lord forever so that I might inquire of Him. So that I might inquire of the Lord. He saw that going into the house of God was a moment I could inquire. I could find out what I should do and whether I should do it. Because that is what having Jesus as Lord of your life is. He tells you you can or you can't. The rebel heart doesn't want to submit to God. But when you become a new-hearted person, you have a desire to do what He wants, to glorify Him. Because you got to know he, he is love. There's nothing He could design for your life that would harm you. It's impossible. There's nothing that God has designed for your life that is going to wound you beyond repair. He might take you through a little chastisement and fix you up and adjust you, tune you up here and there. But ultimately, everything that is in God's thoughts about you is to bless you. All right. So let me, let me keep going here. The, the, what are the eyes of your heart? In my 
in my experience, the eye, when the eyes of my heart are open, it's generally through my imagination. We use the word imagination as though it's a non-real thing, but it's a tool in the hands of God to think in your thoughts. When God says, I, I know my thoughts that I have towards you, thoughts to prosper you and not to do you harm, in Jeremiah 29, 11, you can think His thoughts. And I've found that the devil can think your thoughts as well. You can be thinking thoughts and thinking, whoa, that's terrible. Or you can be thinking bad, immoral thoughts. Or you can be thinking accusing thoughts or worrying thoughts. That is like the devil thinking thoughts through your thinking system. And it's, you think it's you, but it's not. It's a spiritual force using your imagination to create a fear picture in your mind that makes you worry. But God can come into your thoughts and create a faith picture that excites you. All right, okay. Now, your imagination is a creative force. I've known of people who have been sick. I, knew, I read of a woman recently who had a big hole in her hip that had been eaten away by a cancer. She just imagined that it got filled with a putty every day. And God started to move with that imagination. And it became a creative force. She went to the doctor after a few months and they found that new bone had grown there, like baby bone. And there was a hairline uh, fracture around where the, the line where the new bone had gone in. Here's the thing. Faith is always initiated by you. Fear comes from the devil without any initiation at all. So you've got to switch it on. Switch on your imagination. Like I said there early before, I was imagining one million worshipers all around the world, feeling what that felt like, hearing them, seeing them with my inner man. Because your inner man is a creative force. Then I'm speaking it up here and telling you I'm prophesying a future reality. Now you can imagine the worst start to speak the worst, feel the shakes, and you are creating a negative future. Or else you can overcome those things and say, I am gonna start seeing immense victory, great prosperity, we own our own home, I'm driving a nice car, my business is doing well, my marriage is on top, I'm not going under, I'm going over. How good is this message? I'm getting stirred up, amen. And so he wants you to use your inner man to number one, understand the hope of your calling. Your calling is positive. Number two, the riches of your inheritance. God does not want you to be a poor person. I say it without any apology. All the critics, you can say whatever you like, but I am against that spirit of poverty that has invaded the church where people believe it's more pious to be poor than it is to be wealthy. You are not impressing God with your, your poverty. You're not impressing anybody except yourself. And try to let others feel guilty because they are prospering or being successful in life. I aim to be as successful as I possibly can. In Jesus' name. It is such a blight on the church. People can't do what they're meant to do because they haven't got the finance to do it. When we took over this, when we came in here and took on this church, I was just saying to Mick and Rhonda out the back, I think in the first year, 
I think it was more than this. I can't, I can't even remember because it's 12 years ago. You know, I'm, I'm starting to have a little few problems with my, my short-term memory. Have I ever told you I've got a problem with my short-term memory? It's a, it's anyway, it's a. <laughs> you know, uh, it's, it's not much of a problem. But I can't, I, but we spent at least a million dollars in that first year. At least a million dollars and just paying the rent from, from our church, not from here, because the numbers got to be so small. But, we, but I knew God had called us to do this. And so I just kept believing God. And one of the reasons we're here today is because of Vision Builders. Because the Vision Builders at Oxford Falls said, we're going to put it in and, and we're going to actually make this place go. And now huh, hundreds of people have been saved here. Probably thousands of people have been saved here in the last 12 years that we've been here. And, and, and also out of this place has come literally millions of dollars as well because you have become vision builders. You have become generous. You've become a legacy. You've become children of other people, if you like, who have also given and those who are faithful in here as well. Uh, I love this title, Above and Beyond, because I wanna go above where I am right now. I, I don't want to stay at this ceiling. I want to go above that. I want this to be two services in, on a Sunday morning in Jesus' name. I want to go above what we're doing. <laughs> I want to go beyond where we are right now. I want to see another 20 uh, locations around the city of Sydney. When I say a million people in the, in the world worshiping, that accommodates for 100,000 in the city of Sydney. I am looking to God for 100,000 believers to be worshiping God in this city. I, asked, uh, I, I read the statistic uh, uh, oh, about two years ago of the Anglican population in the city of Sydney, worshiping population is 100,000. I thought, well, we could do that. If, it, if it's been done by others, we can do it too, in Jesus' name. And I love the Anglicans, but I love us a lot better, amen. And I believe that we can do better. I believe we can do this. Not that I'm in any competition with them, but <laughs> hey, I'm a guy. I'm a fella, right? Amen. <laughs> and I'm not in competition with Hillsong. No, I'm not in competition. I'm, although I'm preaching there. I was preaching there last night. We're good friends. That doesn't stop me wanting to be doing something bigger and better. Amen. And you and I can do it. We can be inspired by one another. The Bible says, provoke one another. So this, I'm, I get provoked. It's a little provocation. Sometimes I tr provoke people by telling them how much I've given. It's not for me to display how much I've given. For, God forbid that I, I, I don't want to vaunt that. But I want to try and inspire other people. That this poor pastor can give that much. Do you know it said that, that only 2% of pastors in the world are considered to, to be wealthy? Only 2%. And a third of them, I know two-thirds of them are wealthy only because they do other businesses as well as pastor. So that's only like, and that's, that's, that's like not many. You could pretty well count it on two hands. There's something wrong with that. Because people think, oh, if he's wealthy, you know, he's not a real pastor. Or, or he must be doing something dodgy. Or he's a, he's, he's a, he's a you know, sus guy. There's something wrong in our brain. King David took down $250 million for his building fund offering. Moses was getting paid $1.5 million a week. Yes, exactly. 
What did you think he was, some poor old prophet? Penny for the poor, penny for the poor. No, how, that doesn't glorify God. This is God's man. He should be blessed. And so when we get these ideas, we're just buying into the devil's thinking. And I don't say it too loudly. I don't say, don't say this sort of stuff publicly because it gets so mis- misunderstood. Well, I guess this is pretty public. But you're friends, you know, so uh, I know you'll understand. I am just trying to help you with your thinking. So when you start imagining stuff that you don't imagine small, you think, oh, I, I couldn't imagine that big. I mean, imagine owning a 100-foot yacht. How could that glorify God? Well, it could. You could take me out on it. Amen. You could take Mick out fishing. We could go sailing. We could glorify God and thank God. I have never met a person who thanked God for a downgrade. You ever been at the airport and they say, look, I'm sorry, we're full in business class. You got to go down back to cattle class. You got to go back to economy. And, and it's, you know, it's the one right at the back next to the toilet. Yeah, it's a, I know it's a 14-hour trip, but I've never seen that person go, oh, praise God, praise God. No. Nobody, everybody instinctively knows that upgrades are for the glory of God. But I have seen people go, uh, sir, would you like to come up to business? Yeah, sure. Praise Jesus. <laughs> They're tweeting, praise Jesus, praise God. It's on Instagram. Right? Right. Do we go, ooh, prospering. What an awful gospel belief that is. No, we go, thank God. God's good. People go, God's good. God's amazing. More favor to you. So why not every one of us start to believe that this is the will of God for your life, that you prosper. This is the will of God for your life. Oh, I feel so good saying that. I feel every demon in hell going, they get worried when we talk like this. Because if every one of you start to prosper, we can be the head, not the tail. We can not buy not just this building, but buy another 20 in the city. Amen and start to build up great churches and release great people. We're gonna go above and beyond. And our college, our college has sent out many hundreds of ministers to start churches in here in Australia, around the world. How about Lars and Megan Halverson in Darwin? It's the largest church in Darwin. Our C3 church up there. They come out of our Bible college. James Edwards runs, runs uh, the Oxford Falls location. He's, he's out of that college. Mark and Sarah Percy in Topor, New Zealand. They're from our college. Clarence and Deb Sashi in Kuala Lumpur in Malaysia. These are all graduates from our college. This is just a few that I could think of. Uh, Dilshan in Child Action, Lenka. Garth Ball in Nairobi. I was there three weeks ago. 300 people in his church. Mattis Thielman in East Germany. Sam Picken in Canada. He's got the largest church in Toronto. Largest church in, remember the Toronto Blessing? Yeah, well, that was good, but this is better. Amen. This is Josh Kelsey in the USA. Got one of the largest and fastest growing churches in New York City. Five locations, nearly 3,000 people. Fabio Aguirres in Santos, Brazil. All of these are people who have graduated from the college because you gave to Vision Builders and you, like somebody was saying, it's you who's doing this. You're planning those churches out there. Your finance enables those people to go out and we are doing it together. 
We're better together at every level. As, as a church, I want us to reach more people, 30 a week. That's awesome. In our movement, 70,000 people a year come to Jesus Christ. That's good news, right? <laughs> 70,000 people a year. Let's make that 140,000 a year. Let's make that a million people a year. We have got to be a force in this generation for bringing the gospel. We do not want the birth rate to outstrip the second birth rate. The born again rate should be way ahead of the natural birth rate. And you and I have just got to open our eyes and open our minds and begin to believe God. Ephesians 4, verse 17 to 18. This I say, therefore, and testify in the Lord that you should no longer walk as the rest of the Gentiles in the futility of their mind. Having their understanding darkened, being alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them, because of the blindness of their heart. When your heart is blind, you walk in ignorance. You're walking in darkness. You don't know what you're doing. You don't know where you're going. And that's why he's saying, I want your eyes to be opened so that you're not walking in darkness, but you know exactly what you're doing. And that's why God will open my eyes to a vision for our movement so that all of us know exactly where we're going. And as a church, and so he's saying, I don't want you to walk in the futility of natural reasoning, of logical thinking. I want you to walk in the revelation of the Holy Spirit. And so it's a prayer that I pray. God, I pray that you'll open our people's eyes and that they will see the hope of their calling, that they will see the riches of their inheritance and that they will see the power of God, that you'll understand that nothing's impossible with God. I need you to know that. Something incredible is happening to you in this service because of the power of God that He injects into your life. 2 Kings 6 verse 17 says, Elisha prayed and said, Lord, I pray, open his eyes that he may see. Then the Lord opened the eyes of the young man and he saw and behold, the mountain was full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elisha. Okay, so this is a problem. Elisha would be sitting in his room and the king, the foreign king, would be plotting an ambush. He'd say, let's go down by this way and go by the road of Ziz and we'll ambush them there. Elisha would call the king up and say, hey, king, the king of Syria is plotting to ambush you at this place and this place. And so the king would go another way. And this happened so many times that the foreign king said, who is the spy? And somebody said, nobody's spying. It's that Elisha, the prophet. He's sitting in his room and he can hear you, what you're discussing. And I know this, is a, this can actually happen. I've sat in my office and I've heard conversations between church members. I'm sitting there, I'm, I look out the window, see if anybody's, but I can hear them. So I ring them up, I say, hey, how you doing? Because I know what the conversation was. I want to give them a fright. <laughs> say, hey, how you doing right now? And they say, we, we, we're just, just discussing things. I was talking about me? Uh, <laughs> I like to let people know God's alive. He knows what's going on. He can hear stuff. And he can reveal it to other people. I sometimes see things about people's lives that I don't even want to tell them. But it's to their benefit because God knows everything that's going on in their life. And it can be a scary thing being in the presence of God. But also a beautiful thing. Because there's nothing he would reveal that would ultimately harm you. It's only for your good. And so here, here, is, 
Here is this prophet. He's praying for a young man to have his eyes open. Sometimes the young guys in our church can be thinking, oh, that vision builders thing, that's the old guys. They look up, they've got the income, they've got the money, they, they're the ones, you know, I'm, I'm still a young guy. It's got nothing much to do with me. When I was a young guy, I was 29, maybe 30 years old. Well, I think that's young. At my age, it is young. My wife and I gave $120,000 to the building fund. It took us five years, but that was the price of a house in those days. And we've done that again and again over the years. You know, time, well, I don't know how many times over. But I thought as a young man, I'm going to pick up the responsibility for building the house of God. And Elisha prayed for the youth, open their eyes, that they can bear the responsibility and see what's going on. So the Lord opened the eyes of the young man, Gehazi, and he saw chariots of fire all around them because the, the foreign king had sent down an army and surrounded the house of Elisha because they were going to kill him. And, and he was there on his own. Elisha's in his house on his own, surrounded by a foreign army. They're ready to kill him. He wakes up, the boy goes out, looks around and says, oh, we're surrounded. And then Elijah goes, oh, God, open his eyes. He, he's only seeing with these eyes. He hasn't seen with the inner eyes. I pray that the eyes of his heart are open. And he saw all these chariots of fire all around Elisha. And do you know what Elisha prayed? He said, strike them with blindness. It's a story about eyes. Open eyes and closed eyes. Because Elisha could see with his spiritual eyes, with the eyes of his heart, he could close the eyes of people who could see with their natural eyes. He found power in that vision. And you will find power when you start to see in the realm of the Spirit. I got one last scripture here, which is a pretty big scripture. Ephesians 3.20 says, Now to him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think, according to the power that works in us. Now, here's the deal. Those words, ask and think, are put together in the same sentence. Now unto God, who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think. The word think is a Greek word. It's spelled N-O-E-O, noeo. It means to conceive, okay? Remember when it says Joseph knew Mary, and we understand what that means. They, they got together and had a baby, but they used the word know. That's the same word that means conception. When a reality is birthed within you, and that is translated by our translators as think. So your thoughts, what you conceive of in your brain is as powerful as your prayers. God is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think, not and think. So you can think or you can pray. 
And I would say your praying will take you to thinking and your thinking will take you to praying. But both are powerful as a creative force in your life. And once you have that conception about what you really believe is going to happen, that's why I don't make ridiculous statements. I'm with people sometimes and they say stupid things. They say, we believe in God for a billion souls. It sounds big and it sounds kind of exciting if you like, but I don't hear faith that you are actually going to achieve that. Once you have faith that you are going to achieve it, you have conceived a reality. I can tell you this, not even God in heaven will stop or could stop one million people worshiping on a Sunday in a C3 church. Not that He would want to. But neither hell, nor the devil, nor any person, doesn't matter how many churches start up, we will have a million people worshiping God. I have conceived it. It's like a baby on the inside of me. It's in here. It's in my spirit. It's the substance of a thing I hoped for. And once you have conceived an internal reality inside, because you believe it, it's going to happen, then God will do exceedingly abundantly above that. I mean, that is, to me, an astonishing thing. I aim for 500 people in our church. I said that earlier, but it grew to 5,000. We aim for one church, and now we've got 600 around the world. That's a pretty exceedingly abundantly above vibe. I conceived of one church. Then the Lord said, start 10. So I conceived 10. But now we're at 600. You've got to understand, God will do exceedingly abundantly above what you ask or conceive in your mind or perceive in your mind. We aim for a television show for Sydney. Now we're not only all around Australia, but we're all around the world. We started a Bible college to train connect group leaders. That was all we started it for, part-time Bible college. But we've now graduated around 8,000 ministers and leaders. Graduated out of that college because of vision builders. I aim to write one book on faith. I've ended up writing 20 books on various subjects. Right now, I'm embarking on the biggest project of my life, the Phil Pringle Commentary on the Bible takes a while, but I've got about four books finished. Amen. They're all the small ones. I started on the little ones. I've got more than four, actually. i got six. Yeah. But if you can conceive a reality, God can do exceedingly abundantly above it. And I mean exceeding abundantly above it. To go from one church to 600, that's 599 churches I was not expecting. We thought we were going to do this, but we ended up doing that. And God has a plan in your life that's exceedingly abundantly above all that you can ask or think. You're thinking of buying a house. He's probably got in mind that you'll buy a hotel. You want to start a business. He's probably got in mind that you're going to start 10. God has big plans anybody who wants to start believing and dreaming with Him that nothing is impossible. Let's all stand up. Thank you, Heavenly Father, for the grace and the power of the Holy Spirit right here in this room.
If you want this anointing to come upon you today, to dream big, to see and to perceive and have the eyes of your heart opened, I'm believing God for you right now. Could you raise your hands in the air? <laughs> Lord Jesus, I thank you. This building is going to fill over and over again. We've said it a hundred times. But Lord God, it will come to pass because we prophesy, we see it full. And not just once on a Sunday morning, twice on a Sunday morning, then three times on a Sunday, including Sunday night. Dear God, we believe you that your promises will come to pass. We see that rezoning application going through so the businesses can rent offices here, Father. We see this entire building debt-free and paid for. We only have four million to go, Lord, four point something million on it to go. We believe, God, all these things will come to pass. We see every member here, Lord God, living in blessing and prosperity and overcoming all the difficulties that, that make them struggle in life. In the name of Jesus, Heavenly Father, I praise you for the anointing coming upon every one of us so that our eyes are open in Jesus' name. Amen. And amen. Give the Lord a clap offering, would you? Thank you, Lord.